another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. Today I'm joined by Suva's, another one of Suva's great young pastors. His name is Daniel Wood. Welcome, Daniel. Hi, Letitia. How are you? Good to be here. <laughs> good to be here. You're always here in Fiji. It's good for me to be here. Um, but you're a local pastor of a church here that you've just planted recently, Fiji Connect, linked in with Hillsong. Uh, and I've been able to turn up every now and then when I'm in town and just thoroughly enjoy just the heart and the mission that your church does as well, your outward focus, your wife and a group of women are involved with prostitutes on the street. Um, But then what has really intrigued me, because I probably find it um, not in too many other churches around Fiji, is that you have women on the platform, not just singing in the choir or uh, running the kids' church, but they're actually preaching. Um, they're doing offering messages, they're doing announcements and I think on Sunday I saw more women on the platform than men which again is very different to what happens in probably 90% of the other churches. I I love the men, I love both. Um, But you know this podcast we're addressing a lot of the issues of abuse and I've realised that maybe it's not so much an abuse problem that we have but a theological problem problem and a misunderstanding of women's roles in the church and women not fully understanding how God's created them to be. So look I'll kick off with the first question why have you chosen to have women and you know um, what what would be your biblical basis for that? Um, Really good question Letitia so I wouldn't even think that I've chosen Um, I really believe that these women just identified themselves as wanting to lead, as having the qualities of a leader. Um, they live a great life. I mean, they, um, they're out in the community, they're leading in their workplaces. Um, and in terms of living a scriptural life, like these women are outstanding individuals. So from my perspective, I looked at it as, hey, this is a, a, a worker, um, a co-worker with me and I really need them. Um, uh, if I were to look at our, our demographic, I would say that we've got more women in our church than we ha- have men. And so I feel like, well, why shouldn't we have representation up on platform um, as well? Uh, from a biblical perspective, I feel the Holy Spirit's gifted us, um, each of us in various you know, ministries. And I don't see why he wouldn't gift women as teachers or preachers. They've definitely got them as worship leaders. Um, so, you know, it was an easy thing for me to be able to justify that, hey, if the Holy Spirit wants to do it, who am I to stand in the way of that? Uh, I also think Jesus set a really good example, um, having women in his leadership team. Um, I think, you know, Paul identifies Priscilla and Aquila. Um, and then there's also the talk when Paul talks about, uh, Junita or Junia, sorry, Junia, as one of an outstanding apostle. You know, and apostles were sent out. They were to preach and teach uh, in the local community. So I understand um, that there are scriptures which speak contrary to that. But I really feel that in 1 Timothy and 1 Corinthians, it really is a contextual um, basis for excluding women in those circumstances. I mean, in the church in Corinth, there's a lot of disruptions. Potentially there was idol worship and that was led primarily by the women in that community. In which case, Paul was really addressing a very localized issue within that community. And he's trying to bring order to the church service. 
Also, we've got to understand that back in those days, women were not educated like men. So the men were the ones that were taught to read and they, they were the ones that were provided with the oral tradition um, or the apostolic de deposit, you know. So the women were excluded, I think, primarily at that stage because of the circumstances they found themselves in. Fast forward, we're in the 21st century. Women have been educated. Uh, women have equal footing in the community. Um, and a lot of, especially in the islands, women are running their households, you know. Um, so I still feel, I still feel that theologically we've got a strong basis for women to have leadership roles and we've got, we've got women, I won't name them, but I don't want to embarrass them or anything like that, but we've got women that lead our, our, uh, our sisterhood team, obviously, but also our service team. They're young, 24-year-old, practicing accountant, top of the game, but also just so on top of her scripture and she's so faithful and she's doing everything right. Why wouldn't I want her as an example to the other young women, the teenagers that are coming up? And also as a man, a shining light to the older women in church to say, hey, look, these are our young women that are coming in. So I really want to showcase that and I really want to show that we're a generational church as well. So like at the end of this month, I've got my mother preaching, you know, um, this will be the first time she's preached in our church um, and she's nervous, but um, I really feel that she's got a perspective that all of us can, can learn something from, you know, and she reads the scripture, same words, but maybe it speaks to her in a different way. And so that's... I hope I've answered the question, yeah. No, brilliantly. Um, we're talking on this podcast about being disruptive and, I mean, it might sound like you are, but you're not really because um, <laughs> you're lining up with the words, um, which fits in really well. But culturally, it's, it is disruptive. And sometimes I think, has the Fijian church just taken the scripture to fit in with the culture? Um, because it's a, a patriarchal society where men do like to see them in charge. And I've had a number of men tell me while I've been here, and I'm not deterred by them at all, but um, that I'm allowed to lead the women, but not the men. Um, what would you say to, to those ones? That's an yeah, interesting one with culture. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm pausing here because I'm trying to gather my words. Be careful with what I say. Um, I think that we can be very uh, selective with the scriptures that we, we pick, um, but also we don't read all the scripture. I've got a scripture in front of me, Ephesians 5, starting at 22, and we all know this here because this is the one we coin. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the saviour of the body. Therefore. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. That's it. And that's where we'll stop. And we won't read any further because how dare we read any further because we might get the full story. But that's, that's what we'll pick and we'll say that, yeah, women, you, you need to submit. Wives, you must submit and in everything. And it's true. I can't argue with the scripture. But then it goes on to say, husbands... Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. And I'm telling you, this paragraph is a lot longer than the one that preceded it. So the, 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 I guess the message to the husbands is a lot stricter, right? A lot more in there. As Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a, glori himself a glorious church, 
This is what husbands are supposed to do for their wives, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. I mean, this is, we're meant to be equal partners in this. Uh, and I don't see any other, any other scripture, well, this scripture that, that says more about being equal in the way we serve. So if I'm serving as a pastor in church, why is my wife not equal with me, you know, in her service as well? Um, and, and so I, I just think it's, you know, and, and we can, you can find other scriptures as well where we talk about 1 Corinthians 12. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So it goes on to say that he gives according to what the Spirit wants to do. So how am I going to suppress what the Holy Spirit wants to do in a woman, right? If, if I can see the fruit that the Holy Spirit's deposit in there, well, I'd be, I think I'd be just going against God's will for her life by suppressing that, you know, or oppressing that, yeah. Um. No, they're, they're great scriptures, and I thank you for bringing up the Ephesians one. It's one of my favorites because we love to preach the beginning and and that man is the head and again having another interesting conversation with a dear Fijian man the other week and just because the New Testament was written in Greek and so that word head is a Greek word kephale which means source of life so when we read it in English we think oh the head as in the chief of the village or you know the manager of the shop um, and and when we need that in some places but the head of the house <laughs> means that you're the source of life you lay down your life like Christ laid down his life but this man wanted to know he said but I'm still the boss aren't I <laughs> I'm still the boss and uh, I just asked him well where's that in scripture I keep asking these lovely Fijian men when they quote stuff to me well where's that in the scripture I think that's a role to earn not one that's bestowed so like, you know if you're the boss if you think you're the boss well what makes you think that you're the boss you know I mean uh, I don't, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not married, but I don't think marriage needs a boss. I think it's um, a partnership of love and mutuality and working it out together um, is really important. Have you, how have men, have men struggled in your church to take leadership from women, do you think? Uh, no, um, not at all. I think... Um, we're pretty much, uh, I guess, an egalitarian church body. Um, so we've got a lot of, uh, I guess, our demographic, if you could say, that people that are attracted to, to the faith that we display, um, are people that, uh, you know, value the opinions of women and, and young people as well. So I think we call ourselves like a, a very much a generational church. So um, I think that has been a journey, though, for us, uh, very much... In the, in the Fijian church in this day and age, there is still quite a bit of ageism. Um, so uh, we, I definitely get, get the impression that, um, that you're more valued as a church leader if you're older. Um, uh, and definitely, you know, we've got some amazing pastors that have served so well in a community for a long period of time. Um, but I think it's at some stage it's also been to the detriment of the young leaders um, and unfortunately we've probably lost quite a few in the next generation of leadership just because we haven't had a good um, succession plan in our leadership uh, in the church but um, you know we see many um, churches having female 
uh, leadership and, and, and speakers on platform. We're not the only one. We know of a number that are. But again, they're probably in the same ilk as us, you know. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't think any of our men have had any problem with receiving um, a message from a female preacher. Um, we've probably had, you know, we've probably had some disagreements here with some, um, but we've been able to handle that, you know, yeah. And I think, as you said, the women you have in your church, they're top quality, so they're not your token, oh, we want to try and have equality here, let's just grab any old woman who waffles on. <laughs> they're high quality, who are gifted, anointed, um, whereas, as, as we both know, sometimes there's men who just get up and waffle on too. So uh, it's about appointing, um, seeing God's hand on people and appointing them. A scripture that I like to use a lot um, is just the fact that we're in the beginning God created man and woman in his image um, and God's image doesn't have one part that's higher than the other it's equal uh, God has both male and female qualities and so by only having half of the image up on stage or preaching <laughs> you you cut out half of the voice of God so this is why we need each other what has your church gained by hearing both the, the feminine and the masculine voice of God um, you know a lot of it's been perspective, you know? So I think when, when, for instance, when I preach, I can be very boisterous, I can be maybe loud, and um, I speak from a very masculine sense, so sometimes I can yell and, you know, I'm, and, and sometimes the topic that needs to be discussed or elaborated on is a very gentle thing, you know, that really comes from the heart of a mother. Um, and it would, you know, I'm not saying, Hey, you know, we've got roles. I think we do. I think we, you'd agree with that, that um, a mother is a distinctly feminine role and a father is a distinctly masculine role in a human sense. And so when we do that, um, you know, I read a scripture one way and it, I think it has the same heart. The delivery is very different though, you know, and I think a, a woman, like we were just talking about topics that for, for November. And I think if I gave you a topic, you'd do a... a especially on a, oh, we're talking about the I am's of Jesus, right? So, um, or the identity of Christ really. And how you may view it from a women's perspective is gonna be different to how I view it from a male perspective. And that's the voice that we need to hear. Um, and, and when we go back to appointing pastors or appointing preachers, it's never, it was never about whether, you know, you're a, you're a leader in the community or not. It was really just observing for long periods of time, these, these people that have clearly identified themselves as having that gifting, that anointing. Um, and I've, I was just explaining to you before, I had asked people initially when we first started off, I just rostered everyone and people in our leadership team, which is a group of eight, and half of them are women. And only one of those women really felt the anointing to preach. And it came to that realization that, hey, well, you don't just force people into that, that role. It's really, you've got to look at the gifting and the grace on their life to do so, you know. So we, we did find those in our community, in our church. So we've, we're probably about 50-50 on our platform team, um, male to female ratio. And I tell you, they bring such value to our community. Um, in, and it's not tokenism by any means, yeah. No. No, and I mean, you brought up a good point that they, some of these women declined because they didn't feel like it was their gift. Uh, on the other flip side, I'm encountering women who just don't think 
that what they have to say is valuable or I invite them to a meeting and I let them know that other men are there and they say, well, that pastor can, he'll say enough. <laughs> um, and so I have a bit of a passion for women to realise we need women to show up to the table because the fact that we see differently is a plus. And I'm on a few committees where I'm the only woman and I think what I'm about to say now is going to cut right across because it's so different. But these are good men who listen to what I say and receive it because it's totally different. And so I just want to encourage women listening that um, your voice, you release the image of God, um, God's perspective through your voice and don't ever just defer to a guy. <laughs> I know that's cultural, but we need your voice is really important. Um, you preached, I was here back in May on Mother's Day and you preached one of the probably one of the best messages I've ever heard on mothers. <laughs> and I thought if only the whole of Fiji could, this would set Fiji free. Um, understanding the role of a woman and how a man honours a woman is powerful. You know, how important is the male voice in um, addressing abuse or confronting it? Because at the moment it's predominantly females who are fighting it in this nation. How do we we need the men's voice. Why is it so important and how do we get men to turn up to the battle? Um, I think it's incredibly important. So I guess my context is I've got probably three very powerful women in my life. Um, my mum uh, in Australia, Glenda. My mum here. So I've got a really like blended family, right? Um, so, and, and my sister. And these are uh, amazing women. They're all Christians. They're all faithful women. And so, and they've, they're, they probably lead in a lot of the circumstances in their daily life with my fathers, right? Um, but they are still very much that description of a woman that we just described in, in Ephesians where they're uh, submitted to their husbands, but their husbands dearly love them. And because they love them, they let them be who they are. Um, so I know that my, my dads would fiercely defend my mothers <laughs> if, if anyone decided to say, hey, your, your voice doesn't count or shouldn't be heard. Um, now, that doesn't make them any less weak or any less strong, sorry. Um, but uh, I tell you, my mom has some amazing perspectives and... Uh, I think when a man doesn't say anything, that's, that's almost, silence is akin to agreement, right, in a lot of circumstances. And I think we are worried about how we're perceived by the other men as being less masculine or being submitted to our wives. But again, it's scriptural that we, we love our wives and because of that, we would stand up for them in these circumstances, you know. Um, so I think what we need to do is, as men is there's lots of ways we can do it, the way we can champion women. Um, I feel for me, like the role that I, I take in church, um, even in my workplace, uh, where I'm, I'm one of the advocates for women in engineering in my workplace, and I, I look after a, a group of about 14 young women who are trying to lead and trying to get recognition in engineering at, at the University of the South Pacific. Um, if I'm not in charge of them, I'm not controlling them, but I'm advocating for them. So if they need someone to back them up, if they're reaching an obstacle, a wall, hey, I'm there to help them break through. But I'm there to push them from behind. I'm not there to kind of put my head through the wall. <laughs> um, so it's the same thing here. I think it's great that women are leading, and I think it's right that women are leading. 
but I feel that as men, we need to be there supporting and pushing through and being that advocate. Um, because the more of us that do that, I think it becomes at the forefront of everyone's mind and message, right? That, um, you know, there's a lot of abuses and you know very well, and I think you brought a lot of it to my attention when I was here. It's because of the, the different spheres in which we operate that, um, you know, we've got this issue of prostitution, of physical abuse here in Fiji, um, of women, and not just physical, mental, financial, all these other abuses that are happening. Um, and we need to own this as men and, and understand that it's not an attack on me. It's just, it's an attack on, you know, how we've been conditioned to believe for a long time that we are more valuable than women in a lot of areas. Um, and it's okay to say, hey, it's wrong. And now let's start being the difference. Let's start changing it, you know. And I'm not saying that you have to be the one that's petitioning or you have to be the one, but you can be the one that supports and helps them find their voice and helps them because we are privileged in our society, especially in the islands. Um, so, I don't know, have I answered the question? Yeah, yeah no, that's good. Um, unfortunately, in a patriarchal society, we still do depend on the men sometimes to open up the door, the uh, doors, so to speak, yes, um, to make way for us, especially in church, unless men get a hold of uh, the theology and, and the need for women, you're gonna have men hogging the <laughs> platform the whole time and I love all throughout scripture there's powerful partnerships of uh, and when men and women like Deborah and Barak they went to war together Mordecai and Esther they changed a nation together different roles um, Mary and Joseph I mean Mary should have been stoned to death for being a pregnant teenager but he he stepped in protected her went against the culture um, and so all throughout uh, Boaz and Ruth you know um, so God, it's, this is not a matter of male versus female. It's together. <laughs> and that's how we'll change it. It's recognising that we've been doing things, you know, what is it, not optimally. <laughs> and, um, and we can do better. And that's okay. We can, we can do better. And we're justified in, in doing better that way through scripture, I think. You know? I don't think it's just a new age way of thinking. Um, I think in actual fact that we've kind of regressed from the model that Jesus had originally proposed and, and, and we took examples that Paul had given but they were just for a particular community that was struggling with these ideas and you know if Paul maybe wrote more letters onwards maybe he would have said okay guys now you can ease up on that because you guys have matured now and, and things are moving but this is a snapshot in time you know I think I think a good example of this is if we went and looked at our, our younger selves back when we were 12 and the ideas that we had that were running through our minds, yeah, same body, but now we've matured, we've changed, you know, we've grown up. Um, and the church was a very, it was new back then and it grew up and we're here and I, I, I'm really kind of flabbergasted that we want to pigeonhole people or we want to put them in these little boxes and say, okay, yeah, we're going to go back and we're going to go back millennia <laughs> centuries to the way we did it way back there and we're going to justify what they did in the first century church in the 21st century church and that's okay with us doing it because that's what the word of god says i mean we're not taking up slaves here are we uh, is that you know are we going to go back to the old testament and say oh yeah we should be looking after our slaves like this and slavery is okay i mean we're not we're not we, we can't just pick and choose you know so let's be mature about how we interpret the scripture let's Let's really read it with our hearts and not with our minds, like I said to you earlier, you know, 
um, and, and have a look at the true intent of what Jesus was doing, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was essentially one of the greatest feminists, if, if for one of a word. Um, and that's why so many women flocked to the early church, because suddenly this man came to planet Earth and um, upturned the patriarchal society. Uh, women were disciples. They were allowed to, well, they, were, they funded the ministry of Jesus for a start. <laughs> um, and so women flocked to Christianity because they were being treated with dignity and value. And I was thinking maybe if the Fijian church did that again, it'd be one of the greatest evangelistic tools. I know in Australia we have women who are leaving the church and they don't want to join it because out in the workplace they're CEOs and managers, but you turn up to church and all you can do is the tea and coffee. <laughs> I mean, our, you'd know our sisterhood team, right? It's amazing um, what they do in our community, um, how they rally around um, the most downtrodden in our, our society is just phenomenal and they do it in ways that that men don't necessarily know how to do and um, you know if, if you look at you know all the women in the Bible they, they were just loving caring people and in a lot of the case well Jesus revealed his ministry through a woman uh, he was that's who he first told when Jesus was resurrected who did he tell first to take the message you know um, probably the people that we wouldn't have thought you know you'd think he'd appear to you know, a king or, a, or someone in, you know, massive authority within that community, but he didn't, you know. Um, and I think he did that. Everything Jesus did was intentional. So when you understand his intentionality in all that he does, well, then you've got to look at the seemingly insignificant and elevate it to its rightful place and go, hey, he appeared to that woman for a good reason. Why? Then you need to ask why, you know. I, I find I, I, I've got this, um, uh, this commentary that I read and in it, it's talking about Junior, who clearly says that Paul says was an outstanding apostle. And then this commentary is clearly biased to one side. And I understand, I, can, I'm, I'm, I think I'm led by the Spirit enough to understand that I can take what I, I believe is right. And, I can, and the, the commentary says that, but there is poor evidence that suggests that she was an apostle. I go, it says there, clear as day in the New King James Version, right, which is probably one of the best uh, translations there is that she was an apostle and she was an outstanding one at that. But no, it's like oh, slim evidence. Um, and again, we've got to be really careful as humans that we don't skew the word to suit our agenda, right? Um, so yeah, that's... Yep. Well, time's um, run out, but that's... could discuss it all day. I just want to leave our listeners with a few um, resources because I've just read a brilliant book by a megachurch pastor from South Africa, Taryn Williams, on how God sees women. And he was commissioned by his church to go and put together a paper on why they don't have women leaders in their church. <laughs> but as he began to study the scriptures, he actually totally did a uh, 180 uh, How God Sees Women, one of the best theological books I've ever read, so comprehensive um, from beginning to end. That's a book. Um, there's great website, a great Australian theologian, Mark Moskow, M-O-S-K-O-W, I think. Uh, Mark, she just does brilliant blogs. Another great theologian, Carolyn Custis-James. Anyway, I'll put these links up as I post this on Facebook. Um, but I encourage us, uh, the church 
can lead the way on ending of abuse and violence um, and see healthy whole relationships come across this nation as we understand what God truly says about women, about men and women working together. Um, and so let's be part of the solution and not the problem. So thank you for engaging today. Um, and if you've got any feedback or comments, I would love to hear from you. Thanks, Daniel, and um, we'll see you Sunday. Easily I see your suffering I see the pain Beneath that bull of smile Come out from hiding The sun is rising Let the islands hear reason Let cry